0: particularly spooky halloween special of cast iron a podcast all about metal i am alan williamson the editor-in-chief of five out of ten magazine and i'm joined as always by lewis clark hello there you all right buddy I am pretty good. I've just been to Germany, actually. And, yes, uh, I've been following your exploits. <laughs> which, which makes a lot of sense, uh, because this time we're listening to a special spooky Halloween double bill of Halloween, not Halloween. Yep. Um, and those albums are The Keeper of the Seven Keys, Part 1 and Part 2. Ah, it's
1: Halloween.
0: Uh, yep. So I was in Frankfurt over the weekend, possibly the least metal place in Germany. Um, <laughs> I actually um, uh, Slipknot are playing there next year. Oh, okay. Um, but They're playing yeah. everywhere next year, so you know they uh... can't help themselves. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, uh, yeah, it's the capital, uh, especially the finance capital of Europe. So you've got the European oh, okay. Central Bank, Deutsche Bank, Commerzbank. Yep. Um, and as you can imagine, not not a big metal scene. Yeah. Yep. So um, you thought you had escaped. Um, the Iron Maiden-esque uh, sort of heavy metal and uh, wailing power metal of the yeah, years.
2: yeah. Well, this is the thing because, like, um, I obviously had a little look on Wikipedia prior. Well, once you, once we, once it's been chosen, and uh, you know, doing a little bit of research prior to listen to them, and the genre is very much listed as power metal, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 it could be a bit of fun. That could be a bit of fun. <laughs> you know, and, and then I started listening to uh, yeah, Keeper Part One, and um. Yeah, it's it's pretty much just old school eighties uh, heavy metal in the, in the Maiden style. It, like it, it
0: really is. Um, I so I copied it to my phone before I went to Frankfurt, and I was listening to it on the um, on the bus on the way to the airport. I was just, Lewis is going to hear this <laughs> 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 after the whole stuff about. Uh, Steve Harris playing to Hang Up the Neck and all that all that controversy from the first episode and it's all come back now with an album yep. that sounds very similar and in fact I think kind of out maiden's maiden. Um and I, don't well, a, I don't mean in I don't mean a quality way, I mean that it takes all the the maidenesque
2: tropes and turns them up to eleven. Oh I mean definitely with part two, um I can I can agree with you on that in that regard. But part one definitely feels like it's cut from a similar cloth and sort of follows the uh the clichés of that genre quite tightly i think um but yeah, yeah so we should probably explain
0: um so these are two albums um it's the keeper of the seven keys part 1 and keeper of the seven keys part two and they were originally planned to be a double album um but the record label wanted to release them separately so the first part came out in 1987 Mm -hmm. and the second part was 1988 and one of the interesting things about two albums is that um you'd think with something called part one and two um that evokes concept albums Yeah. yeah um but they're not they are pretty much completely unrelated and I have the little book of liner notes here with me. Mm-hmm. And um it says, There's a myth that's grown up around the two Keeper albums, namely that a storyline runs throughout, both irrevocably connecting them, but not according to guitarist Kai Hansen. And he says, the Two epic tracks, which are Halloween and Keeper of the Seven Keys, Uh, do actually have a conceptual connection. Uh, The last track on the first album, Instrumental, Follow the Sign, is also part of that, but the rest of the songs have nothing to do with this. And I think um, we both agreed that in listening to these, they are stylistically really quite different. Yeah, definitely. Um, So, part one is, I would say, a bit all over the place.
2: Yeah. um, Thematically, it doesn't... I mean... It sounds similar throughout. There's obviously very much a Halloween style that permeates yeah. everything. Um, but I feel that it's, it suffers from age, unfortunately. I don't think it's dated particularly well. It suffers from the same things I don't, I didn't like about Power Slave in that it's yeah. very sort of underproduced, quite tinny, not particularly heavy as a metal album goes. Um, and I feel the big thing for me was, um, the vocalist who I, don't have to hand at the moment. Um, Uh, It's Michael Kiska. uh, Basically, he hasn't sort of uh, hit his stride with this. It it often sounds like he's singing a bit out of tune. Um, Yeah, I think he's singing out of range. Yeah, um, okay.
0: So... Completely unrelated, I was looking up uh, Mozart's Magic Flute today on Wikipedia because okay. I'm reviewing a video game. It's a sliding puzzle game based on the Magic Flute, as, wow, you, as okay. you do. You know, it's a natural <laughs> genre for uh, operatic games, mm. and um, I was reading a bit about kind of different vocal ranges, like coloratura, and there is a word I think it's called tessitura, and it's about the way in which people go into their natural vocal range um, yeah. so anybody who's familiar with music notation you know, understand the idea of staves and notes within that stave and then above it and what I find is with, with this kind of music um, I think Bruce Dickinson does a better job than most and Rob Halford from Judas Priest is particularly good at not making his vocal sound I guess, but Kiska often sounds like he is singing beyond the natural range and it becomes quite reedy and squeaky and and not as powerful because he's got a very good um, baritone voice Mm -hmm. whenever he's uh, it's a song Twilight of the Gods off the first album and he was
1: Twilight of the Gods that
0: sounds really good and especially at the very end there's a really lovely um sort of two or three part vocal harmony mm. um, and it sounds ace but a lot of the time it can sound it just sounds wrong especially in a future world
2: I've actually put in future world specifically that the vocals get really great in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's that's as high as i'm gonna
2: go
1: with the, um, i'm not even gonna to... To
2: attempt it you know my voice broke many many years ago it's not it's this is not something i need to bring on the people of the world this guy's this guy's <laughs> like the the last castrato
0: isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but um but like it is it is very much par for the course with this style of music and it, it does sound heavily influenced by iron maiden who although they are not a power metal band are often seen as a, a big influence in that genre oh
2: I, I mean i can totally see that and if you if you were going to tell me, you know, what bands influence things like Power Metal, Maiden would definitely be on the list. Yeah, um, I mean, power, power
0: Metal is basically Iron Maiden mixed with Motorhead. Oh, so you're taking yeah, yeah, yeah. new wave of British Heavy Metal, so you're kind of Maiden and Priest, but you're also mixing that with Speed Metal, which is Motorhead, and yeah, Speed yeah. Metal's basically Proto Thrash, mm-hmm. if you like. Um, so you're thinking of bands like Gamma Ray, Blind Guardian, Nightwish, Dio, another yep, Power yep. Metal band. Um, then you also get As the genre evolves, you get a couple of bands that sort of cross the line between power metal and melodic death. So I'm thinking of bands like Calma and uh, Children of Bodom, would be other Mm -hmm. big ones. Yeah, yeah, Um, definitely. But you expect uh, very fast-paced, thrashy kind of riffs, um, soaring vocals, and usually gibberish lyrics.
2: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But yeah, in um, in Keeper of the Same Keys Part One, I'm definitely feeling more that this is it's it's power metal in you know its infancy but it's still very much influenced by heavy metal uh, you know, the very traditional sort of maiden sound Um, and I mean, I wouldn't say it's, the second part definitely gets more thrashy um, I feel like this one sort of uh, music is is very musically similar to Maiden, and it's got that sort of galloping, sort of drum and guitar work, that lovely sort of um, yeah. I was thinking about your right, snare, right yeah, snare yeah, yeah, comments yeah. from uh, yeah. yeah. From well, in this, I've said in this one, it it, it, it changes it up a little bit. It's a snare hi hat, snare hi hat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, okay, so so um, what did you like about the the first part? So the first part, um, I I. The thing I like about Halloween that continues through both parts, actually, is how overblown and pompous they are. Yeah. It's really fun. Uh, so it starts with Initiation, which is basically just an intro track. And for some reason, there's like a little synth roll, and it sounds like London Bridge is falling down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like... Okay, that's bonkers. Um, but yeah, it's very sort of slow, sort of pompous, plodding, like, intro. And then we go in straight into I'm Alive. I'm alive. um which i did enjoy like um i've i've mentioned in my notes that you know that galloping guitar work um is totally in there um and we establish uh the high pitched wailing style of vocals that's going to happen throughout the, yeah, throughout
0: the, the record let's see
2: aerial yep totally <laughs> yep yep um it's i think it suffers once again by just being overly long a lot of the time um Hey, this album's only. This album is done in under
0: forty minutes. So, yeah, but Keep, like, paper one is is really, really quite short. And I know what you mean that there's there's not a huge variation of ideas. Um, mm. But it is, um, it
2: is kind of it gets in, gets out, and then um, it's like know, the thing I had for "I'm Alive." In particular is that most of this song is basically a solo, and it's like, all right, I understand you want to punctuate this song with a big, you know. Impressive bit of guitar dueling or whatever like that. Um, but it's just, it just completely drowns the rest of the song. Like, they, I want, I want more time, you know, with the chorus and generally appreciating what you're doing melody wise. Um, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I've, I've mentioned in particular that this is a really strong chorus on I'm Alive. Um, uh, uh, but it does also suffer from, again, that, that, just old metal sounding record uh old metal records of this era is that they, there's not much bass to it it's very sort of tinny and uh, yeah. doesn't really it doesn't sort of punctuate itself very well
0: i mean i think uh with the production yeah well i don't want to say get over yourself lewis they all sound like this that's right that's how they did metal back then but no, yeah you're, right, you're, you're absolutely right um it, it it's tinny and and um how to get through but I mean okay so for me there's two tracks I would say are, are standouts yeah, and yeah. they are Twilight of the Gods yep. and then uh, the Halloween the long one Indeed. Um, yep. I think the rest of them are okay fairly unmemorable uh, Yeah, I think it's Twilight the possible, of the Gods possible um, by Halloween standards yeah, but Twilight of the Gods has a absolutely outrageous solo um, Yeah, and it, you've got all the Van it, Halen tapping and everything oh, going totally. in there it's, it's, like the, it's like 80s metal in one two minute solo chunk it's awesome <laughs>
1: It builds
2: to the solo really well, though. I think, like, it, the solo doesn't have to say it's welcome. It's a really solid one as, as well. And it's just, it, it just feels like the way the song flows, it's like, it's taking you there, and it's gonna happen. And when it, when it happens, it's really sort of, it just punctuates the whole thing really well. Um, the only thing I've mentioned, I, Is that I think again like he's singing out of range at the start of the song, but I think he sort of he he finds his um, comfort zone uh, sort of in the verses and in the chorus later on, Um, and then I start to enjoy it a lot more. It's a really fast-paced track. It's not. It's it's. Stupid and overblown, which is totally like what I'm into with Halloween, I've got to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I like my music pompous and pole faced. Yeah, I have yeah. to say that these, these Halloween boys just took it a bit too far. <laughs> but no, it's, it's totally, it's, it's really good fun. And I love the little flourishes of the weird voice effects, all the sort of crazy bits and pieces. Oh, they, really like
0: there's a, so, there's so much weird stuff in this, especially, um, yeah, uh, the track Rise and Fall in part two <laughs> has mm-hmm. a couple of memorable whistles. Um, yeah, yeah. But But, um, yeah, no. Twilight of the Gods is definitely a really good song. Really good. Um, Uh, And Halloween. So it's thirteen minutes long, but it doesn't feel thirteen minutes long. I didn't think like it it didn't. It didn't feel like rhyme of the ancient mariner long to me.
2: no, no. I would agree like with you in about. that regard, but I did still feel like it probably could have ended around the six-minute mark. Um, in fact, like I was listening to it, and it was like there was a there was like a, a little sort of a, a fill, which sounded like the song should have ended, and it didn't. And I was a bit like, ah, oh, okay." There, then, there is
0: a radio edit that,
2: or a video edit that's five minutes long. See, um, I think that would be the way to. Personally for me I think that would be the way to like take this song in because the the first six minutes are brilliant. Like it's probably the best song on the album. Um and again it's it encapsulates all those things that we talked about with Title the Gods. There's a really lovely galloping riff and the double bass drumming, which is really good fun, a great chorus, really strong. Uh it's just a really fun song. But then for the final six or seven minutes, it is just wall to wall. Solos over and over again, and it's like, oh, this is exhausting. <laughs> yeah, give the people what they want. Oh uh, well, I mean, there is there is an element of that. Obviously, you know, this is metal at the end of the day, and people do want to hear heaviness and solos and outlandishness. Um, but I just feel like Halloween takes it a little bit too far. Um, so yeah, bit of a shame that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the first half of Halloween is a really good song, and probably like I say, the best, the strongest thing on here. However, I wouldn't say it was my favorite song on the album. On this album? No. Nah.
0: Uh, is your favorite song on this album Twilight of the Gods? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite too. Yay! <laughs> Excellent okay, song. You, you, can, you can guess my favorite track on uh, part two. <laughs> okay. So, so before we talk about part two, let's talk about two-part albums because um, there's been quite a lot of them and they're often crap. Mm. Uh, so yeah. you've kind of got two ways to do a two-part album. You've got the... The sequel to a really popular album, when a band's trying to revive its popularity, mm-hmm. that would be something like um, uh, Reich's Operation Mindcrime 2, which is obviously mm-hmm. the sequel to Operation Mindcrime, which is a really good album, and the sequel is not very good. Mm-hmm. Um the other one would be Queen Cambria, and let me find the full name of the album, because I always call it uh, No World or No Hope for Tomorrow. Yeah, but they, they it think it, their albums always have
2: ridiculously long legs.
0: Uh, But that's part of the fun. Okay, so the (laughs) first album is Good Apollo and Burning Star 4 from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. And the second part is called... I can't even read that on iTunes. I'm going to have to open up the uh, (laughs) the, the ID3 tags. It's... yeah, it's good. Apollo and Burning Star for Volume Two, No World for Tomorrow, and it came out um, many years after Part One. Yeah. yeah. Um, then you've got the alternative strategy, which is to release two albums in close succession, um, and those would be Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was two albums on the same day. Um, so essentially a double album but they charge you twice
2: um,
0: <laughs> yep. and um, System of a Down, Hypnotise and Mesmerise and Mesmerize. Um, we were talking before we started the show and agreed that Hypnotise was shit and uh, Mesmerise was really good Yeah, yeah, no definitely I
2: actually and have really good memories of Mesmerise because it's one of those it was one of the very, f- one, very few albums I bought whilst I was just, you know, out shopping with friends and then we came back and we all listened to it front to back and it was like I've never done this and it was such a good and because it, it was such a great record as well we, we felt like it wasn't like a weird way to spend our time as a group of people it honestly like a really fun thing to do
0: it's um, the one with uh, BYOB and uh, Old School Hollywood as a good yeah, fun song. yeah yeah it's the one with a, what's the line um, my cock's much bigger than yours
2: I can walk right <laughs> through the door isn't that it um, that That's... is, what, is that, isn't that isn't that violent Se- pornography off the sec- off hip? I think it's.
0: Isn't that um, Segaru? Is that not it? Oh, it could
2: be. Yes. Yeah. yeah but anyway, is. we should anyway. cover that. We should cover that another day.
0: Oh, definitely. Um, uh, so yeah. these two albums, as we said, were released. Um, they were planned to be a double album. Yeah. Um, and they were released within a year of each other. Which seems really strange because they sound totally different. And part two, we both think is actually much better. Yeah, a, yeah, I'm it actually a,
2: it feels more evolved and a bit more lighthearted. Mm-hmm, definitely, I'm I'm am to- totally in agreement with their record label on this regard. I think I think they needed to be released as two separate albums because, um, yeah, thematically they're quite different. And obviously, what with the fact that they don't actually have much of a connection like, concept-wise, um, it just makes sense to have them as two separate records. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the part part two is definitely more, you know, moving more towards a traditional power metal style. It's a lot more overblown. There's a lot more like, um, just pomposity to the whole thing. There's lots of weird like, effects also, and stuff. Like, it, it's lighthearted and it, it's, it's. Oh, yeah, silly. totally. Oh, it's not like, it's not po face pomposity in any, in any regard. You can tell, you can clearly tell that Halloween are really enjoying themselves on this album, which is something I really do value in music. Um, I mean it's not gonna get them a Mercury Music Prize. <laughs> but then again, no, no. um <laughs> metal doesn't really suit Mercury Music Prize, does it? There's not many there's not many metal albums I can think of off the top of my head that think, you know, that's a really good um artistic uh <laughs> milestone for, for heavy metal. There's not um, there's not really
0: many actually, I can think of off the top of my head that I would regard they, that. They were actually recorded at different
2: times. They weren't recorded together. Um, yeah, just yeah. And you can the... you can hear it as well in the production oh, style. Oh yeah, as well. the production's better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a lot more. It's a lot brighter. It's it, there's a bit more power to it. I, I was just it from the get go. Like Eagle fly, fly free. I was just like, this is this is a much better sounding record. <laughs>
0: Um, here's another fact for you Iron Maiden fans is that um, Halloween opened uh, Monsters of Rock in 1988 at Donington um, and they, it was headlined by Iron Maiden and Halloween and Iron Maiden had the same management at the time. so Oh wow, that'll, okay. That'll come as no surprise. Uh, um, but, bit, um, a bit
2: strange that they were so low on the bill then, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um,
0: they... Um, so right, yeah, right from the get-go um, you've got Eagle Fry Free, and you've got always walk alone, and those are two really, really good tracks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Big choruses of...
2: I like the riff in the verse for "You Always Work Alone." It's really mm-hmm. sort of uh, nice and satisfying. Uh, again, like the solos, the solo in I think on this record is considerably better as well. Like a lot more memorable than the first one. Yeah. Sometimes it does feel like they just go off on a tangent on part one, whereas on See, part two yeah, it's a lot no, more I, condensed. I totally agree with you. I think mm-hmm. that um,
0: the first one. There's a lot of different ideas but they don't necessarily merge into coherent songs. So well it does feel a bit slapdash and suddenly you have an acoustic bit or suddenly you have a bass solo or suddenly you have a really strange solo and it changes yeah, yeah. all the time and I mean that that works for some things, but I think in that it just it comes it, it it's almost overwhelming. Whereas this one, you've got these really nice, coherent songs, they make a lot more sense, yeah, yeah. they're more enjoyable to listen to, the solos fit better. It's just Is that kind of sound of a band having a lot of fun, very Mm -hmm. confident in what they're doing? I I think that probably came off the back of the success of the first album, which I think sold about 10 times their previous release to Keeper 1.
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually, like, um, I looked on Last FM and, like, the the amount of listeners on Part 2, compared to Part 1, is, like, double. It's ridiculous, Um, which I was quite intrigued by, because, uh, again, assuming they were thematically linked, I would have thought most, you know, it would have been, just as many for both records, but obviously part two is considerably more popular. Um but yeah, I mean let's talk about highlights because there's quite a lot here. Um oh, yeah, I would yeah. I would totally pick out Eagle Fly Three as well, which we haven't actually talked about in any sort of um detail because like that that I noticed straight away that this is a lot more thrashier, like this whole record definitely mm-hmm. has a more of a thrashier feel to the guitar work. Um really great chorus and there's this lovely sort of like um this fill where it's just the bass... It's yeah, not, it's not, it's I, thought you, so- I thought you would enjoy that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a solo as such, but it was just a nice little bass riff, and it was on its own, and it was like, ah, oh, really nice and satisfying. That I really enjoyed that, and it, again, it has a really overblown outro with the with the brass section in the back as well, which I really enjoyed. Yeah, um, I, I heard the trumpet so I was making my dinner there, and it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> where did that? Where did that come oh, it's from? great. I mean, there's lots of that on this record, though, because like, um. I mean we've talked about your War's Walk Alone but let's talk about Rise and Fall as well because okay. I know you're not a big fan of this one but I really enjoyed this oh, I thought like just, It's too cheesy for me It's too over oh. the
1: edge <laughs>
2: Punky, it's not like, it's not as traditionally metal as the rest of the album. (laughs) It's it's got a really sort of like, uh, punky, sort of poppy, sort of riff to it. It's really nice and fun. Um, and during the chorus, like, they add some additional effects. Like, there's like some strings that you can hear on, on it as well. Um, there's a really fun solo I like on it. And there's all these really mad effects at the end oh, of the it's, song. It, it's, it's whenever
0: I, I like the bit that he's singing about. Oh, she, she he couldn't get it up, and he goes, woo. It's just oh. so
2: daft, and I was really enjoying it because it was like, okay, this is this is like Halloween. They 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 know how to have fun, and they know they know like how to add this element of like overblown pomposity to their music. But this was like cranked to 11 on the pomposity scale it was just like ridiculously fun um and it, it ends with like sheep as well which is just like <laughs> yeah <It's laughs> you can't, all good you can't metal take it seriously brilliant um, um I, I
0: but just... it's just a similar kind of sound to whenever made and do silly songs like uh holy smoke is one of those ones in there yeah, yeah. the video for that's just them playing football in a garden um <laughs> yeah. why, why not but um you know it shows you that metal can be really funny and silly and and You don't get that in a lot of modern power metal. No, no. It
2: is a bit more serious. Uh, Oh, totally. I mean, I think the problem with it is because power metal has established itself to a point now where it is kind of um, po-faced. And the fact that Halloween are not kind of makes it sit in this weird position where it's like they're not taking the piss, but they are having a lot of fun. And it's like I can... I, I like that a lot. There's a real, there's, you know, there's just something about it. It's very, it's, it's an interesting um, thing. But yeah, you didn't like it. You didn't like. You don't like Rise of.
1: Well,
0: 4. well, I mean. At first, I thought, "Oh, this is cackney." I I <laughs> wish you could skip this, but uh, I've kind of it, it, it's a grower. It's yeah, a grower. Yeah. I, I, can, think... I can I and appreciate the fun of it. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want to complete because basically, compared to the the totally po-faced keeper of the seven keys, which is yeah, yeah. total thematic nonsense, um, it, <laughs> it's good to have something like that to, to balance it out. So I've 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 softened. I've I've mellowed my position. <laughs> no, fair enough.
2: Um, then we follow up with Doctor Steen. Yes, Doctor Steen. I thought um, it was Stein initially.
0: No, yeah. it's <laughs> it's Doctor Steen, and I. Th- think that's mainly to make it rhyme <laughs> oh i see <laughs> because, right okay well because <laughs> even even if it was um in german it'd be dr stein it wouldn't be yeah dr. it wouldn't be stein yeah yeah no it's a bit unless everything i know about german is wrong um but um, this is
2: like the first time the album sort of takes a little bit of a tempo change it gets a little bit more mid-paced this song i think um and it it's kind got of a really uh,
0: really chuggy driving but slower riff. Yeah, yeah. There's a
2: nice there's a nice like trade off between the overblown nature of their music to the to to actually like really strong melody on this song, I think. Um and it's really catchy. Like it, it it's it's like it's not their most like powerful overblown track by any means, but it's still just like it it's it's interesting actually because uh Alan made me do some further listening and there's uh-huh, uh,
0: Oh oh Johnny hear the story behind this. Okay, go for it. Okay, so um, so as I said, I went off to Frankfurt and I synced this album to my iPhone, and yeah, yeah. I have been using Apple Music, and yep. I'm writing a blog that explains all of the failings of Apple Music. Um, <laughs> one of them is live music. Another one is that they um, won't let me listen to the entire Inflames back catalog because they've lost the licenses, even though I have the original discs. <laughs> um, but the third problem is it sometimes gets confused. So um, I have the Keeper of the Seven Keys Part 1 and 2 Deluxe, yep. which are CDs, ripped them into iTunes years ago. Um, But whenever Apple Music tried to sync them, it didn't line up the tracks very well. So one of the problems I had was I couldn't listen to the long version of Halloween. Mm -hmm. And when I looked in the music window, it said I was playing both the video edit and the original at the same time. That was fun. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I was listening to part two on the way back um, from Frankfurt. I was like, metal, metal, metal. And then suddenly, (laughs) there's two people (laughs) playing
1: saxophones. (laughs) Dr. Steve Rock and Baby, rage, rock and right.
0: So yeah, all of a sudden there were jazz saxophones coming in and um, it's because they have their own version of this in Apple Music and they don't quite understand They've, they've listed as two discs in one album, whereas when they ripped it, they decided they were two albums. Mm-hmm. Don't ask. But um, yeah, so I heard the the jazz cover also. <laughs> but it's still Halloween. It's not another yeah, band. Yeah. It's Halloween mixing it up. And I really quite like the jazz one. And what I like is that, apart from it being funny and, you know, I'll, I'm a saxophonist. I'll never pass on the opportunity to hear a good sexy sax, <laughs> sax solo. But what I like is it shows that um, Halloween have evolved as a band and there's a lot more melody in these songs. This is a... It's
2: much more poppy. Yeah, yeah. I think, if anything, it showcases just how strong their songwriting is. Yeah. Because it works very well in both styles, besides, Yeah. Um, but yeah, that version of Dr. Steen comes off an album called Unturned, I think it is. Or Unarmed. Uh, Unarmed, Unarmed, sorry, that, yeah. that's it. And basically, um, it's, it's them doing a greatest hits record, essentially, but re-recording everything in sort of like a big band, brass, or jazz, over the top, silly pop style, and, um, I'd like, do you know what? I'd really like to hear more of it, to be honest with you. Because if anything, like that version of Doctor Steen actually really uh, solidified, like, oh, you know, this is a really well-written song. I I think in lesser in lesser
0: hands, this would sound pants. It would sound like the theme tune to the monsters. Yeah, but um, but they
2: did a really good job of this. No, no, totally. Um, then we have the ballad. (laughs) We got the right. Uh, There's a ballad.
0: It's okay, though. It's all right.
2: There's a, there's a ballad on part one as well. Um, which is a tale that wasn't right, which is obviously just something that they do. You know, they, they hit, they hit the midpoint of their record and it's like, okay, let's change the pace a little bit. And then we can come back for a big send off sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked March of Time a lot, actually. I thought mm-hmm. that was a really good song. I like the sort of Spanish flamenco guitar. It's really sort of silly and overblown again. Really good fun. Oh, Got a really strong chorus and um, um, another great yeah. solo as well. It actually reminds me a bit of an Iron Maiden song
0: called "The Nomad." Oh, okay, is, that one? Um, which is fine because that song came out in two thousand and one. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so <laughs> uh, well, I mean... now the Padawan has become the, the Jedi Master. But, it, but it, I think it's interesting that you do get those like. Oh, like I wouldn't say copying, but there's only so many riffs you can do.
2: Oh well, everything's going to sound like everything at some point. Well, yeah. you know, music is just so developed now. But I like um, that.
0: I like that you can you can hear something and something else, and it reminds you of other songs. Yeah, yeah, them. definitely. Um, and I was
2: like, uh, there's another thing as well with that is that. During the solo, there's a lovely sort of like chuggy riff going underneath, underneath it all, and it really sort of beefs the whole thing up. I was really just enjoying that quite a lot actually. Um, I want out is basically a filler track, nothing particularly special. You think I want out's a filler track? Yeah, I wasn't really into it, for, and for some reason, there's this really sort of random like it's like a hard house like <laughs> just like one on its own just for no good reason I was like what <laughs> okay just throw that in there for no good reason uh, cause um, I, I want that as one of their most popular songs Really, I didn't. I wasn't. Yeah. I, I wasn't. I didn't think it was particularly stand stand out. It's, like, it's not a bad track by any means, but it just felt kind of Halloween by numbers. I was a it's, bit. It's like, a bit more punky. It, it, yeah, uh, but then again, sp- sp- I suppose this whole album is really. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely, you know, it's a lot more punchier as the, as, as a, in regards to the first one. Then we got Keeper of the Seven Keys, which we've already mentioned, is pretty damn pompous and overblown and po-faced, and oh, it's all just like. Nobody cares about these seven keys,
0: and and nobody cares because, um, because it's not a concept album.
2: Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one because it's like it does feel like it's supposed to be tying up like you know storylines and things, but it's just like it just sits so far apart from everything else. It's a bit strange as well because it's kind of like a ballad for most of the song, but then there's these few moments every now and again where it gets sort of thrashy and it picks up and and then it sort of ebbs away again and gets slow paced and it's just like oh this is really sort of Badly paced song.
1: I probably is
0: one of the least good tracks in the album. Which yeah, is it's unfortunate a shame because, because, it's, because it's by far the longest.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, it does really go on for ages. Um is it longer than Halloween?
0: Um mm, yes it is. It's about or... twenty seconds longer. like um, um, Keeper Two is a is a longer album. Keeper Two is Oh, somebody's a silly billy and closed their Wikipedia pages. <laughs> Keeper two is fifty four minutes and
2: Keeper One is thirty seven, so it's yeah, considerably yeah. longer. It's a longer record by well, there's two extra songs as well. Um and then finally, um well, sometimes finally, the original mix of the album oh, seems yes, to have yes. Save Us as track six, I think. Seven. Uh, it's, seven, yeah, okay. But it's smooth as um, Yeah, yeah then it's the final, final track on on this version, uh, and seems to be the one that's in Production now is generally the one that has saved us as last, and again, I'd say it was pretty standard as Halloween goes. It's uh, you know, it's a fun track. It's nice and overblown as per usual, but I wouldn't say it was the strongest melody or chorus on the record by any means. No, but um, it does
0: it, it does leave you on a higher note than it would if it ended on Keeper of the Seven Keys. Yeah,
2: yeah, there is that. It's got to be said. It does kind of uh, help sort of bring it to a nice, uh, a little bit more of a positive close so yeah there you go there is keeper of the seven keys part one and two um right uh favorite songs well
0: uh okay so i guess your favorite song of part one and we both have the same one yeah your favorite song of part two i think oh, oh crap i don't know um is it eagle fly free It is not. Oh, is it Rise and Fall? It is Rise and Fall. (laughs) Son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder you were laughing when I said,
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, Um, okay, so what do you think my favourite is? I think your favourite is. Dr. Steam.
0: It's gotta be, it's gotta be Doctor Steen, yeah, and in yeah. particular the jazz cover of Doctor <laughs> Steen, which uh, um, actually um, it was my my brother's partner that bought me this album for Christmas a couple of years. Oh, ago. okay.
2: And I I, I, so I texted her today and I was like, get a load of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome fun. So, like, um, but yeah, after I listened to that, actually, um, I went, I I honestly seriously considered buying Keeper of the Seven Keys Part Two. I went on to Discogs and I was like, do you know what? I'm gonna get it on cassette. It'll be a retro oh bastard. My, oh my <laughs> God. The production's terrible. And it's all crackling, and I keep having to wind it back with a pencil. But when listening. I held myself back because I got enough music in the post as it is. But yeah, I think I—I I, I generally think I would actually consider owning part two, which is interesting because um, not a big—I'm not the biggest fan of old school heavy metal. It's got to be said. I—I I definitely feel like uh, the test of time uh, doesn't really do it any favors, but. Um, I think, like, I think, hmm. Part Two is definitely a really good album. Uh, yeah, production's think, better, a lot yeah. more powerful, a lot punchier. Really good fun, and I just love how silly it is. It's a really good fun. Yeah. I think, um, I think
0: Part One, I Part One, I wouldn't recommend on its own.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: I would just say, oh yeah, listen to these two tracks. Part Two, I would definitely recommend. I think it's a really, really, really good album, and. Mm. Uh, Listening yeah, to them you,
2: both in context is definitely a really good way of listening to these records because yeah, well, it's you, a good way to show you how much the band's evolved. Yeah, totally. That's what I was going to say. It's like part one is is very much the you know the the chrysalis as it was of part two. Really, it's, mm-hmm. it they definitely sort of uh, take all the strong parts of part one and amp them up to eleven for part two. It's really good fun. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are there are some good songs on Part One as well. It's worth it's worth checking out. I I mean, Twilight of the Gods is definitely a good one. First half of Halloween, I would definitely recommend. Yeah, they 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 radio edit of Halloween. (laughs) Um, I'm Alive is really good fun, Um, and I did like a little time. uh, Even though I did feel like it kind of it, it's a weird it's just a little times a bit of a strange song because it, it feels like it loses interest in itself and there's this bit where in the middle yeah. eight where like it just sort of breaks down to almost no music whatsoever just weird sound effects and clocks and things and it's a bit like and that's where
0: like those are things that would seem normal in a concept album like if yeah if you ever yeah. listen to dream theaters metropolis 2 that's how it opens with loads of clocks and stuff because it's about somebody being hypnotized and yeah, going yeah, back. Yeah. but i i don't know i I don't know if I want a bit of narrative coherence. I think I just want part one to be better. Yeah, but part yeah. two is fine. I wouldn't want part two to change. Yeah, yeah. But um, but if you're gonna call it part one and two, like just just give them a new name. First one they could have just called, it's Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> the second yeah. One could have been Keeper of the Seven Keys. I've been looking up um, Keeper of the Seven Keys: The Legacy, which came out in two thousand and five. Yeah, um, yeah, And this is probably going to be mind Crime Two Syndrome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a double album, so it is the sequel. To a previous album and it is a double album. So that is that, that to me is two serious black marks against it before I've listened to it yet. Yeah, yeah. Always, I'm, I'm, always be, be wary of the double album.
2: I'd be intrigued to see how it how it works because if it's if it's if it's not thematically linked like the original two albums are, then it probably stands quite well on its own and it doesn't really need to be called Keeper of the Seven Keys. Um but if it actually is trying to thematically continue that sort of legacy, uh, the legacy. But how,
0: um, but, how, but how could you? Yeah, how, I, I
2: don't know. How could I don't it? Know When how, the first like, two
0: albums aren't connected to each other.
2: Well, that's it. Is it's very strange. I mean, I, I, I are they referencing? Certain stories or plots or whatever that that, that appear in certain songs. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Oh well, but,
0: let's find out. I'll add it to the inbox yeah, right yeah. after jazz remix album. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be my my Halloween playlist. I'm gonna
2: annoy my friends <laughs> uh, with unarmed best of the 25th anniversary. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely got to check that one out. That sounds like a really good fun, bit of fun. I think. Oh look, there's like Eagle Fly Freeze on here as well. Yes, I know. There's so many good ones there. I, that. I yeah. want to hear what these sound like. These sound Look, like
0: Lewis, can we finish the podcast before you start listening to this? Come on, man. <laughs> Don't
2: leave me. Don't leave me here. No. All right. All right. All right. Let's, 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 let's wrap things up then. So further listening, Alan, you start. Okay. Um,
0: so a little bit of a think about, um, well, as I do, um, I would like to further recommend Operation Mine Crime by Queensrack. Okay. So this is a bit more proggy. Um but Jeff Tate is very similar vocalist to Michael Kiske, okay, okay. but um without the over singing. Yeah, um yeah. I think it's uh it, it's a really good prog metal album, but it also has its power speed metal bits. Mm-hmm. Um so it's a good one. Um if you hmm, let me think. If you want a modern power metal album, um there's a band called Except, who are okay. also German. Um and the album's called Blind Rage, which is their latest one. Um and it is really good fun. It is just solid heavy metal. It's not too fast, not too heavy, not too light. Just very, very solid. Really mm. fun, really exciting. Um, it's it's very, very good. I think you would have a lot of fun with that. I think you'd probably have fun with that one.
2: Oh, definitely. Okay, uh, my picks then. Um, I actually believe it or not, I don't listen to a lot of power metal. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> um, so um, this was this was a hard choice. So I've basically gone for. Two of the most overblown records I've got in my collection. Um, <laughs> so the first one is a Blind Guardian record. Uh, it's oh, one of the one of the new choice. ones uh, called "At the Edge of Time," which I really, really enjoy. Oh, okay. um, it also features a song which, for bizarre reasons, is on a sacred game <laughs> mm. um, with Blind Guardian also cameoing in game, which is oh uh, my, interesting. Oh my god! Uh, but oh. yeah, there you go. There's a nice video game connection for you. Okay, so because
0: um, I, I haven't listened to Blind Guardian since um, "Night at the Opera." and like See, Nightfall and Middle Earth. right? Um, so how have things changed
2: since then? This is going to be a very difficult question for being the answer because I actually haven't listened to any oh, early what? Blind oh, yeah, yeah. I'm only familiar get, uh, with the most recent two albums. Um, i
0: listened to um, Punishment Divine. That is like Queen does power metal. Yeah, it's yeah. so I have, over the top. I
2: have heard the odd song from their back catalogue. Um, um, t- turn the Page, for instance, I've heard. Okay. Um, and they're a lot more metally now. Uh, they're a little bit... Uh, yeah. d- there's there's definitely more of a speed metal thing running through their sound, uh, and, and it's a lot more um, just powerful and bassy and really sort of in your face. Um, whereas from what I can gather from older stuff, it's a little bit more... Um, Traditional song structure, not maybe not yeah. as, and maybe not as metally, maybe more rocky. It, it's uh, it's
0: very Tolkien-esque. Yeah, yeah. And um, like that's obviously it's called. You know, I think it's Nightfall in Middle Earth. Um, yeah, yeah. I just I just remembered another another band. What are parametal and of one of my favorite guitar songs ever. All right. Um, uh, the band is Camelot. Now disclaimer. Yep. Some of their stuff is garbage, but um, <laughs> if you listen to the album "Poetry for the Poisoned," the first song in it's called uh, "The Great Pandemonium," yep. and it has an outrageously good guitar solo. Oh, it's okay. like it's just it's it's one of these ones that you listen to it and you immediately rewind and listen to it again, again <laughs> and again. And then you get home and you think I should probably speak to somebody. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, give give that a blast as well. So, what is your other recommendation?
2: My is other pick is um, a Devon Townsend project record called "Addicted." Um, which is Devin Townsend that is, like, poppiest, I suppose. Um, He actually initially wanted to sort of, like, uh, promote it as a pop record instead of, like, a rock album. But it is very much a rock record, and it's, like, you know, there are guitars and drums in it and whatnot. Um, But it is really just fun and... Daft and overblown, and it's everything that I really like about the, the second part of uh, Keeper. It's like, yeah, it's it's really good fun. Um, there are some outstanding tracks. Uh, there's a really good re-recording of Hyperdrive on it, which appeared on his Zealtoid album, uh, but with female vocals. So yeah, it's just really, really fun. Um, a really good record, and certainly, certainly, one, something, certainly something from his most recent back catalogue that I would uh, highly recommend. I am
0: ashamed to admit that my knowledge of the Devon Townsend canon is
2: pretty much zero. Oh, well, Um, I mean, that's something we should explore at some point, because um, he's a very intriguing gentleman, and uh, a (laughs) bizarre career, (laughs) it's got to be said.
0: Um, He's an an intriguing gentleman.
2: That makes makes me imagine him in a pair
0: of striped trousers and a top hat, twiddling his (laughs) moustache and cane.
2: Well, you wouldn't be too far off, to be honest with you. He has definitely appeared in some... Bizarre outfits during some of his shows. He did a, a fantastic one. Lots of different stuff like thrown into it. I, I called it the Retinal Circus, which um, basically was like his theatre production, but using his own music. Oh, it was it was absolutely bonkers. And yeah, he definitely appears in some pretty mad outfits in that one.
0: Um, but yeah,
2: uh, Devon Downsend Project Addicted is my other pick.
0: So I guess there's only one thing left to say, and that is have a very spooky Halloween. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um,
0: happy birthday to my brother Mark, who will be 22 according to my calendar. Um, I know the year he's born, but I can't calculate ages like that. So, <laughs> happy birthday to Devil Child. And um, and I think we're gonna we're gonna stop telling people what the next album is gonna be because we just keep it. it it's completely inconsequential. Yeah. So yeah. we're gonna surprise and astound you once again. Yeah. No. Definitely. <laughs> um, So in the meantime, you can find us at castironshow.co.uk You can follow us on Twitter at castironshow and you can like us on Facebook and we basically regurgitate stuff that's on the blog. (laughs) Pretty
2: much. If you want to follow us uh, separately as well, uh, Alan is Bear. Uh, on Twitter, and I am at Sonic Yoda. I also write for a website called UK Scum Scene, which I didn't mention at the start of the show. So. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's my bad. It's my bad. Yeah, don't worry about it, fella. Uh, but yeah, there's always, there's a new review of a Down I Go record on there today. So yeah, go and check that out if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> check it out or else. right? <laughs> <laughs> or else I'm stopping. That's it. No more. No yeah, more UK so Scum Scene.
0: <laughs> the, next, the next podcast will just be 40 minutes of silence <laughs> and, and protest. <laughs> <laughs> Grumbling.
2: Just, just a low grumble.
0: why am yeah, I doing? That, this? But thank you for listening. Yep. Um, do give us a review on iTunes if you like the show. If you don't like the show, tell us why. You know, yeah, no,
2: we can, we can change, we can improve, we can improve.
0: Just <laughs> like, just like, keep her the seven keys one to two. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We can change and be a little bit sillier and a bit more melodic, so mm, uh, a bit more funny. <laughs> eh? I like but, all that. But we'll see you soon and thank you for listening. Bye bye.